0: Atomic Monsoon Monsoon. Welcome to the Monsoon Wait, what's that over there? It's an atomic monsoon! Ah,
1: run your lives! (laughs) Actually, don't listen to our show, please
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, don't listen to our show? no please listen to our show please please do it oh okay okay yes good yeah listen to our show you're listening to it you're already doing that just keep doing that
1: keep doing it over and over and over again (laughs) don't
0: run for your lives stay inside
1: no yeah stay inside it's too hot to run
0: yeah (laughs) so hey (laughs) andy how's it going we're off to a great start i'm doing great how are you i'm doing pretty good good It's,
1: it's officially halfway through the year
0: yeah yeah it is uh we are recording this on July first, two thousand and twenty, and so in celebration of the upcoming uh, Independence Day, the American holiday of Independence, we're going to talk about uh, Japanese cartoons,
1: specifically their movies
0: <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, we thought there would be nothing more appropriate to celebrate America than talking about something from another culture.
1: I mean, we could talk Captain America.
0: But I—I I mean, listen. America's made up of people who like most of the people in America come from other countries. It's true, right? And if, if they don't specifically, you know, their family does. Uh, so you know, I, talking about imports, y- you know, you're just talking about America in general. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so that's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're here. Now, now here we are. Here <laughs> this we spark of the road. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, right, gonna swerf, well, I'm gonna swerve I'm gonna swerve right into it. Do it. Uh I Go have I it. have I have no honorable mentions this this time around. I figured Neither do I. I got enough to say about these movies. So uh I wanna start talking about the big one. Oh uh, let's talk Akira. Oh, okay. Uh Akira came out in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, And it is set in the far-flung future of the year 2019. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, The movie opens on July 16th, 1988, which was also the day that the movie came out. And a singularity destroyed Tokyo. Um, And over the next 29 years, the city got rebuilt and fixed up as Neo-Tokyo, but it is now plagued by corrupt politicians and anti-government protests and just kind of overall street violence. Uh, so, you know, I just thought I would lean right into that I'm, I'm just like
1: slowly raising my <laughs> hand as if I have a question But I'm also bringing it down at the same time Because I'm not going to say the obvious <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah,
0: yeah So uh, the other thing that's that's great about this movie Is it takes place on, you know, while in Tokyo They're building an, uh, an Olympic stadium For the uh, 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games
1: Which apparently Akira was actually supposed to be a part of that this year
0: yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this was a this. Yeah, this year was supposed to be the 2020 Olympic uh, Games in Tokyo, and then uh, there's a pandemic, so people people aren't traveling all over the world yeah. because the super infectious disease is going around. Uh, there is no super infectious disease in Akira, however, um, or there is, but in a very different way. Okay. Um. So. The movie kind of starts with a motorcycle gang and we sort of learn some of the main characters uh mostly Canada and uh Tetsuo and um during one of the protests that these guys are at Tetsuo gets injured and that awakens some latent psychic abilities in him and while he's getting checked out by doctors it's discovered that his psychic abilities are similar to those of Akira or Akira to pronounce it more accurately but less westerny um and Akito was the, the, uh, the esper, they call him, person with mm-hmm. ESP abilities, um, who was responsible for the singularity that happened in 1988 that
1: destroyed Tokyo. So...
0: Uh-huh. There is a whole big conspiracy that that Tetsuo is going to be the second coming of Akira. And there's a lot of people in the government who want to stop him because they don't want the city destroyed. And there's a lot of people who think that the second coming of Akira is, you know, the second coming. And it's going to be this wonderful, great thing that will set everyone free. And um, there's a lot of tension. (laughs) And so the whole rest of the movie is kind of... uh, um, And, and, you know, their friends trying to uh, figure out how to help Tetsuo and rescue him and escape the government and everything. And it ends with the two of them having a big confrontation at the Tokyo Olympic Stadium. Mm -hmm. And um, it leads to one of the best animated but grossest scenes in a movie I've ever seen.
1: Oh, it is where.
0: Yeah, Tetsuo's powers just go kind of crazy, and um, I don't know how to describe it. I, I literally don't know how to describe the last scene in Akita. Um, just, uh,
1: nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah, nightmare yeah, that's fuel fair. and stomach and stomach wrenching fuel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's weird. I will just say that it is. It is mm-hmm. a very weird movie Mm -hmm. um but for a lot of people this was the introduction to anime as a concept yeah um i i didn't get all of the the box office information that i usually try to get from movies um but i did catch that this movie had one hundred and sixty thousand animation cells um which for the duration of the movie is a lot
1: that's a lot of freaking animation cells
0: yeah yeah um, it had a budget of 700 million yen, or roughly 5.5 million U.S. dollars, um, which at the time was the most expensive anime film to date. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. The previous, the previously highest uh, total for a budget was a Studio Ghibli film uh, at uh, 500 million yen, but then the next year. Akira's budget was surpassed by another Studio Ghibli film, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service.
1: (gasps) Yay!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which cost 800 million yen to produce. So you know it was in good company. Was was the one before it? One before was Totoro, wasn't it? uh, There was another one before or between those two.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: I believe I. I don't know my.
1: I don't know. I don't know my studio uh Ghibli timeline quite as well as most sure. people who yeah. watch all their movies. Um I do know a few that were you know that came out in the eighties and the nineties and right. I do know the couple that came out in the early two thousands. That's about as far as I got. <laughs> sure,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ghibli has so many movies that it's it's hard to keep them like keep straight which ones came out when. Yeah. Unless you're like super into it. Yeah. Um so, so. anyway. But Akira. yeah, so Akira, um, you know, it's it's one of the definitive cyberpunk anime films. Um, it's 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 a classic, man. Like, it's it's one of those, like, if you're a film buff, you know, you kind of have to see uh, Citizen, not even kind of, you have to see Citizen Kane and Casablanca and, yeah, like, Virginia Require and stuff. Like, if you're an anime buff, like, you have to see Akira. There's no yep. excuse. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I Like, I'm just going to assume most people that are listening to our are, are the kind of people who have seen Akira, so yeah. Um, yeah, I've gotten to see it on the big screen even. Oh wow! Um, yeah, yeah. The Film Bar in downtown Phoenix did a showing. Um, I want to say like a year and a half ago, and uh, yeah, that was that was super fun, especially with all of that very pretty animation. Just getting to see that on a on a big movie screen was was pretty great.
1: So, nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. What do you got? Well, since you men- so since we mentioned Studio Ghibli, uh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and get- do my first pick, um, yeah. which is actually, oddly enough, Kiki's Delivery Service. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, it's almost like I knew that that movie was on here when I found that trivia bit that connected the two movies. I put it there on purpose.
1: <laughs> no way. Like, no way. <laughs> I have no words. Um, yeah, no, so... Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service for uh, is one of the many Studio Ghibli films. Mm-hmm. It follows little 13-year-old Kiki, who uh, is training to become a witch. Mm-hmm. And one day hears that there's going to be a beautiful full moon and a clear sky and decides, I'm going to start my year-long training in a different city right now. And she takes off from home, flies on her broom with her uh, little black cat, Gigi. Um, and they fly to this town, like, on the on the bay, almost like San Francisco-esque, with, like, the hills and the trolleys and the, and the clock tower and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not really San Francisco based off, like, the languages that are written on the signs. Um, right. I
0: mean, I'm sure it's still in Japan. So.
1: <laughs> who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, Kiki uh, arrives to the town and stays with a local uh, family at their little bakery and she does her delivery service from there and, you know, meets uh, you know, she makes a lot of she makes a lot of friends while doing her deliveries like she makes friends with the artist um, Ursula who lives in the woods she makes friends with this woman named Madame who's like this really old lady who uh, asks her to deliver a herring pot pie and everything, um, and then she obviously makes friends with a local boy named Tombo who, if uh, any of you have seen the movie he's the kid that, you know Hangs from the giant Led Zeppelin as it's like crashing into the city <laughs> at the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah, um, yeah. because they, they they talk about it early on. Hey, you know you should check out the dirigible that's coming later on, and then here comes and then it crashes because um, of a huge windstorm and everything. So, um, but yeah, no, and I I have this all fresh in my brain because I actually literally just finished watching it, Flight, again before we had this episode recording. So. Oh,
0: wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched it. so Yeah. Uh, no, it's yeah. it's been a hot
1: minute for me, too. Um, it's sadly not available anywhere, which sucks.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I know Disney Plus has talked about potentially streaming it. I know Netflix has talked about potentially streaming it. I think Hulu said the same thing. And I'm sitting here like, can just someone stream Studio Ghibli now, please?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It turns out international... Trademarks and copyrights and streaming rights are all very complicated. They are indeed. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: But um, but yeah, no. So, uh, what's interesting is with this movie is that this was actually my introduction into anime. Really? Yeah. Uh, I did a little asking around my family, and no one seems to remember, either because their memory is just going, or they just are completely blank and they were blanking the moment of the phone call um but i asked them i'm like hey does anyone know exactly how you guys got a copy of kiki's delivery service like how that came to be in our possession and they just all are like i don't know and i was like thanks thanks family for the help um but somehow we had a copy of it and i sat and i watched the movie a lot as a kid it's actually a part of like my lineup of movies
0: um Mm. that
1: i grew up with in the 90s that part of the reason why it wasn't out my nineties was because I knew we were doing this episode, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I positively out, love that film.
0: That came out in 1989. So that too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And I positively loved the film. Uh, I mean, I, even watching it again now, I very much relate and understand Kiki's dilemma of, you know, having like, which is block or writer's block or, you know, being having a creative block in your mind. And, mm-hmm. uh, trying to find your way in the world and trying to, you know, do all of that. Cause she's doing it at a younger age. I'm doing it in my twenties. Um, right. <laughs> and I also have finally figured out that Gigi is my spirit animal just cause the amount of sass that cat comes with <laughs> is amazing.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Kiki's a good choice. Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah like I said it's been it's been long enough since I've seen it that I don't remember a lot of it I just remember that I enjoyed it so yeah um, yeah Yeah, I definitely recommend that as well highly recommend it Uh, okay let's go forward a couple of years to 1991 with Ronmo One Half Big Trouble and Nekon Lan China. Those were words. Those. those are words. So Rondo One Half, we talked about during our uh, favorite anime series episode several we did. weeks ago. Um, But for those of you who, who didn't hear that, because this is your first episode, in which case, welcome. Um, oh, by the way, if this is your first episode, our awesome intro music was done by the Def M Records All-Stars. And you can find them and other bands like them at defmrecords.com. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah, I knew we were forgetting something at the beginning of the show. Um, so yeah, Rama One Half uh, is a series about a sixteen-year-old boy named Ranma who goes with his father on a training mission to China, and while they're there, they fall in cursed hot springs that turn them into the form of whatever drowned in that spring. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ranma falls in to the spring of drowned girl. Uh, where it, it's a tragic story about a, a young girl who drowned there, and now anyone who falls in that spring takes the form of that girl whenever they are splashed with cold water, uh, and warm water will turn them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronma's father falls in the curse of John, uh, or the spring of of the cursed spring of John Panda, so he turns into a panda. Um, and there's other characters that turn into a whole bunch of other things as the series goes on. will one half big trouble and neck on China came out in 91. It came out, uh, between episodes 100 and 101 of the ongoing series. So that's presumably where it would take place. Um, and I'm going to say a lot of Japanese names in here, uh, because all of the characters have Japanese names. Sorry. (laughs) You're fine. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so so this movie was originally released as a double feature with the sixth Urusei Yatsura movie, Always My Darling, um, uh, which is a manga series also created by Rumiko Takahashi, mm-hmm. who did Ranma One Half and Inuyasha and you know, Maison um, and several others. Um, yeah, which I didn't know until I was actually looking up trivia stuff for oh. this episode. So that was kind of neat to find out that, like, oh, you get a double dose of Rumiko Takashi movies, um, which is cool. But uh, yeah, basically, the movie the movie opens um, with a sequence that involves uh, basically every character that's appeared in Ranma in a giant chase scene, um, okay. which is you know kind of a fun like, well, if you even if your character isn't part of the main plot, your favorite character isn't part of the main plot of this year, this movie, like they at least appear, which is, you know, I think that's neat. Yeah. Um, a, a, and then we're introduced to a young Chinese girl named Chi who, uh, rides an elephant <laughs> to, um, uh, Furinkan where where the story takes place and uh, she demands that Haposai who is um, the founder of the Anything Goes School of Martial Arts where Ranma and his fiance Akane uh, train mm-hmm. um, she shows up with the scroll demanding that uh, Haposai gives her her childhood back which goes into their long weird backstory Um okay. During the kind of scuffle and fight that ends up, Akane, Ronro's fiancé, ends up holding this scroll. And then out of nowhere, a skyship, like an airship, shows up. And the seven lucky gods martial artists appear, and they see that Akane is holding the scroll... Um, Which light she was holding Because she was waiting for her prince to come And take her away and and marry her And they could live happily ever after But Mm -hmm. Akane's got the scroll And so the seven lucky gods see that it's in her possession So they kidnap her so that they can marry the prince Kieran Okay And then the entire rest of the movie Is basically the, the main cast of Ranma Trying to figure out how to get to China And rescue Akane from the seven lucky gods martial artists um, and hijinks ensue because Ranma is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds ridiculous, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, the thing like, so I I was introduced to Ranma um, at a summer camp where um, one of the other campers had some manga comics. Um, mm. Like <laughs> manga comics sounds redundant, but it was actually manga in the form of American style comics. Oh. Um, yeah, and Ronma one half was one of them, and he explained the premise of the series, and I was like, "That sounds awesome." Um, and a couple years later, uh, when we moved to Phoenix, actually, one of the Hollywood Video stores happened to have a bunch of the Ronma uh, VHS tapes. So we were like, like my brother, I, I was telling my brother, like, "Oh, this is that thing I was talking about where you know the guy turns into a girl when he splashes water," and he's like, "Oh, I, that sounds funny." And I was like, "Yeah, we should rent some of these." So we rented like Volume Two and the movie because those were we didn't know. Like volume one one wasn't there and we didn't know where the movie took place so uh yeah we rented volume two and the movie and so the movie was kind of my introduction to Ranma and it was insane
1: that's amazing
0: yeah yeah (laughs) that's awesome Um, I do not recommend it as an introduction for anybody for literally anybody else don't make the same mistake that I made but if you have watched some Ranma uh which is totally like that series is just streaming on Hulu. So you can just go watch it. Um the movie I don't think is streaming anywhere, but they did like a couple years ago put out a, a nice Blu-ray set that has all three movies and all of the uh to video OVAs. Mm-hmm. So um it's pretty easy to get a hold of right now. Yeah. So But yeah, awesome. Rama One Half, Big Trouble in Neck Online China. It was the first of the three Ranma feature movies. Uh nice. check it out. It's fun. You'll laugh. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well, I'm going to stick with the uh, the same animator, but I'm going to a different series. Okay. Uh, I am going to uh, one of the four Inuyasha movies. Ah. Uh, uh-huh. Yes. Uh, I am doing it. So this is the third Inuyasha movie, and it is Inuyasha and the Sword of an Honorable uh, Leader. Okay. I believe that's correct? Uh, Honorable Ruler. Sorry. Um, I had it written down here. And so this is this came out in 2003, so I've kind of made a big jump here. <laughs> That's okay. But all of my other films take place in the 2000s or later, so...
0: You know, um, it's from 2004, so we're apparently just going in order.
1: <laughs> all righty then, that works. <laughs> um, so Anyasha uh, and the Sword of the Honorable Ruler. So this takes place... I can't tell you where in the series, I will be completely honest with you, but it definitely sure. takes place, I think, later on. Um, like maybe I mean,
0: one of the nice things about most anime movies is that it's not really important where they happen like yeah. as long as you're mostly kind of familiar with the series you can just watch the movie and you're fine
1: yeah yeah totally Um, so the Sword of the Noble Ruler it starts out with uh, it actually goes back into the past uh, and we see uh, Sashomaru and Inuyasha, Sashomaru himself and then Sashomaru and Inuyasha's father Okay, and they're having this conversation, um, and they're talking about the fact that Sashomaru is going to get the te- the Tensega, which is the uh, if any of you've seen the show, the Tensega is this sword that Sashomaru gets that all it can really do is save people from dying. Okay, it's a sort of healing; it can't really kill anyone, and Sashomaru thinks it's useless. So, um, and he's and his father makes the comment, "Have you someone to protect?" Uh, because that's the only reason why you're not getting the Tetsaiga. which is Anyasha's sword that he gets later. Uh, he gets in the series, um, which can kill people. So, <laughs> um, so after they have that conversation, uh, their father takes off and ends up flying to this village where uh, he kind of not only a village like there's like this temple and he kind of just slaughters everyone um, as he's trying to get to his wife or. Inyasha's mother, um, as she's giving birth to Inyasha. and um, the main villain of the of the movie is actually standing over her and uh, kills her with the sword. But the ba- but the baby is still born, um, not in the sense of like stillborn, not living, right. but,
0: but like continues to be born. Yes.
1: yes. Um. And Inyasha's father shows up. Uh, he Fights the um, he fights the guy and I'm trying to find his name here. I'm sorry, this is uh, kind of driving me crazy that I can't find the name of the villain here. Um, <laughs> um, but he fights him, saves uh, saves Inuyasha and his mother, um, gives them the cloak of the Fire Rat, which is pretty much the red outfit that Inyasha wears for the whole series. Mm-hmm. And they run off, and Inyasha's father father's father dies.
0: Um, okay.
1: Oh, so it's Takemaru. That's the name of the guy that he fought. Okay. Um, and then we go all the way into the present day where... And, I, and when I mean present day, I mean Kagome Higarashi's present day. Um,
0: <laughs> which is still back in time.
1: Which is still back in time. Um, <laughs> and her family has this relic sword uh, that they're putting into their shrine to have it be, you know, stored away forever. And turns out the sword... Um, actually had a 700 year old seal on it okay and the 700 year old seal uh, breaks and the sword kind of uh, escapes it, sh- it escapes with its sheath and flies around uh, modern-day Japan and finds Inyasha and Kagome as they're walking back from uh, Kagome school where he kind of interrupted her volleyball practice uh, <laughs> and okay. pretty much the whole thing is about this sword um, which is uh, called the, hold on, I'm looking at the name of the sword. The sounga Okay. That is, yes. Yeah. The Saunga, that's the name of the sword. Um, and it pretty much just follows the fact that, you know, Inuyasha gets a hold of the sword and he takes it back to the feudal era and there, it pretty much just comes this whole battle of the two brothers, uh, Inuyasha and Shoshomaru, fighting against, not only each other, which which happens often in the series, but fighting against their father's uh, third sword, which is the Sounga of Hell, which has the ability to kill people and then make them pretty much into zombies. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's a, it's a really, it sounds complicated, but honestly, it's a really just simple, easy storyline to follow. The only confusing part is that the sword had a 700-year-old seal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Inuyasha was born was 200 years before Kagome ever came to the feudal era
0: Okay, which
1: gives us a nice timeline of how old he is right. um, his father uh, the Miyoga, the little flea uh, and a few others they threw the sword into the bone eater as well which is what Kagome uses to travel from the present to the past and apparently when they threw it into the, into the well it literally flew a hundred years into the future, practically 700 years into the future. And, uh, that's when the seal broke. So when it comes back through the well, they're like, you were supposed to keep it sealed for 700 years. I, he's like, I only get the seal for 200. I don't know what happened.
0: (laughs) Mm.
1: So it's, it's it's a weird thing where like the time delay actually caused the seal to break, which is really weird. Yeah. But, um, but other than that, it's, it's a really, it's a really nice action packed movie. Um, it has like, it has a nice flavoring of all of like the character dynamics that you get through the series. Um, and a lot of people that I've talked to who have watched any and have seen any of the four movies, a lot of them actually like the second one more, mm-hmm. um, which actually does have the main villain of the series, Noraku in it and everything. But I actually like this one a little bit more and it's actually the only, and it's out of the four. It's the only one I have a physical DVD copy of. So, mm. okay. um, but, yeah, no, I found it, I think, one day on YouTube before <laughs> YouTube started charging people to watch movies.
0: <laughs> right. So, yeah, someone had pirated a copy on onto YouTube.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's how I stumbled across it. And I watched it and I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And then I went and found the other three films. And um, every time I think of an Inuyasha movie, my mind always goes to either this one or the second one. So okay. it's uh, it's really, really good. Really, it's got a lot of action, um, got a lot of great character development between Inuyasha and Shishomaru, as well as the other characters. So, yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Well, uh, my next pick, we jump to 2004, mm-hmm. um, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence. Um, <laughs> ghost in the shell is one of my favorite things from Japan ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really don't like that 1995 movie that they did. Um, which is weird. Cause that's, uh, uh, you know, that's again, one of those like anime classics, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, something about that movie bothers me, um, probably because I got introduced to the manga first and the anime, you know, the book was better, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but the second movie, since it's not directly based on anything, um, it's pretty great. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, it's a sequel to the 1995 anime film, um, had a $20 million budget, again, give or take, based on um, <laughs> exchange rate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and uh, Major Motoko Kusanagi, who's the main character in Ghost in the Shell, like, she's just not in this movie. Because uh, she, oh. dis- she disappeared at the end of the Laughing Man case, um, which is what, like, the whole first thing was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so this movie features Bateau, who's the, the big dude with the um, cybernetic eyes that kind of look like bottle caps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is, like, he's my favorite character in Ghost in the Shell anyways, so when it was like, oh like this movie's about Bateau like great i'm i'm in mm-hmm. <laughs> um and obviously the rest of section 9 uh, are in there uh like the the rookie tokusa and the the um commander aramaki like they're mm-hmm. you know they, they're all there um so uh <laughs> this movie features a conspiracy um where doll like oh how do i want to phrase this um, Companion robots, adult companion robots, Mm -hmm. um, who are all uh, being purchased by high, like, important individuals, um, are all malfunctioning around the same time and murdering the people who have purchased them. Huh. Uh, And it turns out that all of them are being inhabited by ghosts. And ghost in this refers to, like, spirits. Like, someone, someone... somebody's spirit like Mm -hmm. went into someone's soul went into um, all of these uh, uh, doll robots. Yeah. Um, And so section nine gets put on the case. And so it's, it's Bato and Togusa both trying to figure out what's going on and also seeing if they can find major Kusanagi to help them solve this mystery, because this is something that she would be able to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she's not around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a big complicated science fiction, cyberpunk movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my favorite part of it is, um, well, I have two favorite parts. One is any scene that involves Bateau's Basset Hound, um, because the Basset Hound is, uh, animated basically perfectly. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure they just they they got a, an actual basset hound and rotoscoped like just traced over film of of this dog moving around because uh, hmm. it it's just beautiful. Wow! Uh, but uh, there's a sequence in the movie where, as you're watching it, like the characters are going into this tower and they go you know kind of exploring in it, and then after a couple minutes, like the scene resets back to them going towards the tower. Hmm. And then they go in and they have a very similar uh, conversation and experiences. And then the film resets back to them about to go into the tower. And that's when they realize, like, wait, someone's messing with us.
1: Whoa.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the first that I saw it, I actually saw this movie. And I got to see this movie. in It got released for like a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but a buddy of mine was like, hey, you like Ghost in a Shell, right? And I was like, yeah. I go see it in theaters, and I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, it's like the sequel." And I was like, "Even better." I didn't even know they were working on one. So, um, yeah, like I thought that there was something wrong with the projector when we got to that scene, and that like it was just looping. And then I was like, "Wait, but they said like their dialogue is a little bit different." Like, what is going on? That's and, uh, trippy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When they start screwing with your your brain like that in movies, it's it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh. uh the reception of this movie seems to be, like, slightly above average. Like, everywhere's kind of got it at about a 65%, which mm. I feel is not – It's I, th- I feel it's better than that. Um, but a lot of people said that the movie is very complicated, and so they felt a lot of other – like, a lot of audiences could get lost. And I was like, yeah, I guess I can see that. Yeah. Um, but there was one quote uh, by Manola Dargis from the New York Times – who said, uh, Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence doesn't just reveal a wealth of visual enhancement enchantments. It restates the case that there can and should be more feature-length animations, or there should be more to feature-length animations than just cheap jokes, pathos, and pandering. Um, hmm. So, yeah, basically, we should make some more animated films that aren't just, hey, look at the funny animals and let's laugh at them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was it was really nice to see like a, a pretty big film critic from a pretty big newspaper um, acknowledge that like yeah this movie's great and it's a good reminder that we can do more with animation as a as a medium than we're
1: doing <laughs> yeah so. awesome
0: yeah so Ghost in the Shell Two Innocence check it out it's good times sweet so
1: Andy I know we talked about how everything's in the timeline I have to ask out of curiosity what year does your next movie come out
0: uh 2015.
1: Okay. Cuz mine comes out 2016. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, then we'll will break the order of of real life time. It's fine. it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah.
1: So, um my next film, I mean like so out of all the films that we've talked about so far, you know, we have sci-fi and action and adventure and good feel-good comedy in the sense of like kiki and everything like that um this one this one will be uh, this one is a bit more this one's a bit more angsty okay this one is a bit more dramatic um and it hits with some real life topics pretty damn well
0: okay what um
1: so when i was trying to think of a fourth film and everything you know like there there are other anime films that i do like out there i was tempted to do another um uh, another one from one of the other films I have listed like one of the sequels or the, or the first one or whatever um, but I chose this one because it's hmm, I don't know how how to quite put it but I feel like it's a good one it's a good life lesson movie
0: type of thing Okay.
1: Um, it is on Netflix uh, okay. it is called A Silent Voice
0: oh I've heard of this one yeah
1: yeah, so, uh, long story short, um, the main character of the movie, uh, he, in, like, elementary school, um, he picks on the deaf girl. Mm. Yeah, it's, it, it's got some bullying moments. Um, okay. But Ishidaya, which is the name of the main character, he, he pretty much picks on this girl uh, who is hard of hearing, um, and it's like elementary school class. And it, and he does it for like a couple of reasons. He does it because he's not quite sure what, like he, he's, he's almost testing like her ability to hear in a way of just like, wait, how, well, how much can you hear type of thing? And then the other part of it is just him being a jerk um, because, oh, it's funny and everyone else is laughing at me and I think I'm popular like that type of thing. Um, however, one day the bullying goes a little too far And it actually ends up hurting her because they end up actually ripping out her her implants. Uh, And he and the entire class, the entire class and the entire school churns against him.
0: uh
1: All of them rat him out, saying he's the one responsible when there are probably seven or eight other people also responsible for it. And it is actually a little hard to watch this kid just suddenly go from being like, wait, I thought it was... Funny to do all these things. I don't understand why suddenly everyone hates me type of thing, mm-hmm. um, and it goes to the future where now he's in high school, um, and he uh, he's still kind of an outcast. People still don't talk to him. People people treat him like you know they still treat him like the bad kid that he was in elementary school, which is really really sad. Um, uh, but apparently, he ends up discovering that the the girl, the deaf girl. Uh, Shoko actually uh, still lives nearby and he goes to meet her and he apologizes to her. And what's great is he actually apologizes to her in sign language. Oh, thanks. During the years after she left, uh, he spent learning sign language so Mm. he could apologize to her, Hmm. which is crazy and amazing at the same time. Um, and you know, from there, it just goes on on how they try to build like a friendship together. Mm-hmm. Um, and how he's trying to get over the fact that people still see him as that kid from way back when and not see him of what he's doing now.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: And it's just, it's a really, it, it's a deep cut. Like it hits hard in many places. Like it's got, um, obviously it's got, it goes into stuff about disabilities with the with the hard of hard hearing. Um, It goes into bullying. It goes into um, what else does it go into? Uh, Depression, suicide. Like it goes into a lot of really deep stuff. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was sitting here going like, "Why am I still watching this? (laughs) What?" And I think it was because a part of me still wanted the satisfying happy ending, Mm -hmm. which it does have a happy ending. Um, in the sense that he does. He, do- he stops seeing people as being against him and starts seeing them as just people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees his friends, he sees his family, and it's it's got a lot of just great stuff in it. Uh, and it can teach a lot of people, to, you know, don't be so judgmental, you know, take, get a chance to learn something new or learn about somebody new. And I mean, and I think it speaks volumes even more because he he comes from a gay family. Hmm. I say that because his mother remarried a woman uh, and she had a kid already. So like he he has two bombs in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. so it, it just it speaks volumes on how just like many steps forward this movie is, yeah. uh, and how it can literally just take like one person, even if it is a silent voice, to t- like to be there for you type of thing. And it's just it's a really deep cut. I recommend it if anyone is interested in something like that and watching a movie like that, but at the same time, I completely understand if you don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty heavy.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. There were... <laughs> there was not a dry eye in the house. And by dry uh, eye in the house, I mean me in the bedroom with my headphones and my, and my phone. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So. I believe it. Huh. So. All okay.
1: right, let's go to something lighter. What's your next film?
0: Oh, my next movie is about death and resurrection. Uh <laughs> No for what? my for, for my last pick I picked Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F. Uh okay. which came out in 2015. Uh it was the 19th overall Dragon Ball movie or 15th and probably final Dragon Ball Z movie. Um I the difference there being many
1: Dragon Ball movies.
0: There's there's so there's 20. There's another one that came out afterwards. Uh yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of Dragon Ball. There's there's 60,000 episodes of Dragon Ball. Um, that's not, that's not correct. Uh, it's pretty close, but, um, so Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F is a direct sequel to 2013's Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods. Um, and it is the second movie to be directly overseen by Dragon Ball creator Akira Toriyama. Um, all the other movies were just kind of done by the animation studio, just doing their Mm -hmm. own thing. Uh, this, this, the, yeah, once they decided to bring back Dragon Ball for some new stuff, um, Toriyama was like, no, I'm, I'm going to oversee this. Like, I'm going to make sure you're doing this right. Good call. Um, so, yeah, the premise, I mean, it's right in the title. Like, Resurrection F, you can kind of figure out, like, this movie. Uh, okay, so the, the basic premise of Dragon Ball is there's a bunch of martial artists, and they're all fighting uh, space aliens, and they're fighting over the Dragon Balls, which mm-hmm. are seven balls that, when gathered together, you can grant a wish. Pretty much all of the movies start with the bad guys making a wish. Um, oh. <laughs> oh no! So, so this one, one of the trailers described as the worst wish in history, where um, Sorbet, who is one of the minions of the evil Emperor and deceased Frieza, uh, wishes for Frieza to be resurrected. Um, Frieza is the worst villain in Dragon Ball. Um, worst he, in the sense of like,
1: like seriously, no one likes him, or worse in the sense of like he will murder us all. <laughs>
0: Both. Uh, okay. nobody, nobody likes Frieza because he's a tyrant who rules like half the universe. Okay. Um, and he, he at the end of the second season, I guess, uh, you know, anime's different about seasons than American shows are. But like the yeah. second big arc, um, Frieza is, is destroyed by Goku and um, the other Z fighters as they've been dubbed in America. Um, uh, so Frieza's been dead since... Basically, like, the midpoint of the the show. And I believe that aired in, like, the late 80s. So, you know, it had been a good long time. Oh, yeah. Um, And, yeah, they just wished for him to be brought back to life. And uh, it's a little more complicated since he got blown up and, you know, everything and blah, blah, blah. But uh, when he is resurrected, he's like, all right, well, I want to go get my revenge on those idiots from Earth. And they're like, well, here's the thing. Uh, You know how Goku, it turned out he was the legendary Super Saiyan? um listeners if you don't know what that is i'm sorry like dragon ball has a lot of lore and since this took place well after the series is over it just kind of assumes that you know some of it yeah but uh yeah like yeah it turns out uh a bunch of them are and turns out like they're all way more powerful than they used to be so freeze is like all right well i guess i'll go train for a few months and trains for three months and becomes infinitely more powerful than he was before oh jeez which is especially crazy since, you know, he was one of the most powerful beings in the universe before that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, man, we're, we're down to like 10 minutes of time, so I'm going to speed through this. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jaco, the Galactic Patrolman, who's like a space cop from another Kuratoriama comic, like, he just shows up and is like, hey, uh, guys on Earth, uh, Freeze us back. You got to go stop him. And so basically it's, it's, you know, they all get together and they're all like, what are we going to do? And and blah, blah, blah. And it's Dragon Ball. So there's a whole bunch of fighting. Um, But this is the movie that debuted the, the Super Saiyan blue or Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan form for, for Goku, where his hair turns blue instead of gold. Um, (laughs) And uh, we also are introduced to Golden Frieza, which is his final, final form. Um, where it's it looks like weird Frieza, but he's got gold skin now because the anime sure. is weird. Um, and then through the fight, we we find out Vegeta now can also turn Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, um, which is you know crazy. Like great, everyone's super powerful now. That's mm-hmm. that, yeah. Um, <laughs> and this movie's crazy because Frieza actually succeeds in destroying the Earth. What? Yep. <laughs> That happens. And then the gods hit the reset button so that the heroes have three minutes. They go back in time three minutes to undo that. And uh, they they end up defeating Frieza and he ends up with being stuck in hell um, <laughs> at the end of like the movie. you do, I guess? Like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couple interesting things about this movie. Uh, one, this is the first Japanese film ever to be screened in IMAX 3D. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie was also turned into the second story arc of the ongoing anime series, Dragon Ball Super. Mm-hmm. Um, like they just expanded upon it and, and gave it more details. I haven't watched that because I've already seen the movie and I don't I don't feel like I need to watch more Dragon Ball than I have. Um, but I was reading the Dragon Ball Super manga and when you get to this point, it literally just says, yeah, just go watch the movie. <laughs> breaks the fourth <laughs> wall. Yeah, like there's a, there's a caption box that shows Goku and Frieza fighting and it's just like, you know what, if you want to know what happens here, just go watch the movie uh we're not gonna redraw all of this it's that stupid um so that was pretty great my other favorite thing about this movie is there's a scene where goku gets shot with a bullet and almost dies so to anyone who thinks that goku could beat superman you're wrong because an in-canon dragon ball story shows him almost getting killed by a bullet
1: and superman gets hit with bullets all the time and he doesn't
0: get a scar superman got shot in the eyeball with a bullet and it bounced off so suck it superman wins (laughs) <laughs> and that's all I have to say about Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F
1: alright well for the uh, for the final film yes um, so for which we have
0: out... like five minutes so
1: I will move as quickly as I can um, yeah. so this is so this one came out in 2017 uh, this is the second fairy tale uh, feature film okay um, I actually remember it coming out to theaters because I desperately wanted to go see it in theaters and then did not get back from my trip in time to do it it's going to be very sad um but uh the movie pretty much follows the you know the team from Fairy Tale, the main characters and everything like that. Natsu, Lucy, Grey, Urza, Happy, Wendy Carla, all those guys. Um, and pretty much what happens is uh there is another country, like this like this island with really beautiful crystals and gems that at night almost like glow like a rainbow color in the moonlight. Okay. Like it's a really pretty island. But um uh this former wizard from magnol from uh, fiore which is the country that or Ishgar or whatever um, which is the main country where fairy tales located uh, he and this late like this lady of like i don't want to say power but like she she's an important person in this country um they pretty much break into a security vault okay. and they steal this staff called the dragon cry and that's where it's the name of the movie, "Fairytale Dragon Cry." Um, mm-hmm. and the staff actually has consumed the magical power and essence of dragons for years and years and years until, obviously, dragons disappeared uh 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, they steal the staff and their t- and they take it back to their home. And the king of uh of of Fiore, um, or asks the fairytale crew, like, "Hey, can you guys go?" To this uh, to this place and get the dragon cry back, uh, because it's a very very powerful weapon, and if they if these people unleash unleash it, they could end up destroying their entire island. Mm. So they go to go get the staff back, um, and it pretty much just follows them, you know, going undercover and trying to you know sneak into the vault and get the staff and. Like, there's this whole thing of, um, you know, after they try to sneak in, they end up being captured. Uh, and it's, it's a really, like, fairy tale only has two movies it has this one and it has the Phoenix Priestess, which is the first one. Um, which the Phoenix Priestess one actually takes place, and I know this because I've watched fairy tale way too much, um, <laughs> takes place just after the Grand Magic Games arc, which is like the big arc of, um, of fairy tale. Mm-hmm. where the animation style actually changed and they took like a couple year break. Um so it takes place between there. And well not it doesn't take place between that timeline. It takes place after that arc. Sure. That wasn't finished until a couple years later. Okay. Um But that I mean like that one's really really good and I really do enjoy that one, but the Dragon Cry, there's just something like the animation style is gorgeous. It like it's so beautiful and plus everyone is like at their at their highest when it comes to their power. And like, there's uh, several moments of where ships are pretty much confirmed in a weird way, but not actually confirmed. Um, It's got a lot of great action. It's got a lot of great fighting. Um, And it's it's just, it's, it flows so nicely and so well. And it, it's a nice preparation for the final arc of fairy tale to come of the fact that Hmm. it's like, this is kind of like our last hurrah, before you get the final episodes. Either that or it takes place after the final arc. And before the 100 year quest. <laughs> okay. So either way. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy the movie. I have watched it several times now. I endorse it. I would say people go watch it. Um, however out of all the films I listed. Only two are on Netflix. That is the Inyasha one. And uh, A Silent Voice.
0: Yeah. The, none of the four I talked about are streaming anywhere. You're just yeah. going to have to buy them, but they're all easy to find. So
1: yeah. Um, Kiki is a, is a hard one to find. I mean, like you can rent it, I think on Amazon prime or something, but, okay. uh, but, and, but tale I think is on, is on the Funimation streaming service. So,
0: Oh sure. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: So if you have that, check it out there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I have for anime movies. <laughs>
0: Well, and that's all the time we have for this episode. So, um, hey, if you you liked this, uh, subscribe to us on whatever podcast you're you're using to listen to us uh, right now. Um, Otherwise, you can check us out on the social media. You can find us at Atomic Monsoon on Twitter and Facebook and Atomic Monsoon with the underscore between the words on Instagram. And Mm. if you have... uh, have comments or suggestions, or just want to tell us some of your favorite anime movies, uh, hit us up on atomicmonsoon at gmail.com and, uh, let us know.
1: And thanks guys for listening and being here with us here on this Wednesday. It's just with Friday being, uh, considered a national holiday. We recorded early. So we're glad that you guys are able to be here to listen and we hope you all have a safe and fun holiday weekend. Yeah. And if it's, and if it's, there's no holiday where you live, We hope you have a safe weekend.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, everyone be safe. Everyone uh, have a good time. And uh, be sure to join us uh, next time we have a new episode. Yes. All right, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.